Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Well, welcome this morning. Uh, Unfortunately, Mr. Grady is under the weather and won't be there, so I'm flying solo today. Uh, I do have a very special guest uh, today, uh, Jennifer Hagen Deer, who is the uh, Tennessee uh, MEP, uh, Manufacturing Extension Program Director for the state of Tennessee. Uh, we've had uh, many conversations with many of the MEPs around the country. They do a lot of great, great work, uh, and they're helping, obviously, uh, in manufacturing. And I think today's uh, story that is going to be shared is going to have a lot to do with uh, women in the workplace, which is uh, something that uh, we've really d- developed and I think it's being developed throughout the country that they, people are beginning to realize that uh, women are a very strong component that can help us out of various issues and problems like skill gap and so on and so forth. So without any further delay, uh, Jennifer Hagen Deer, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad uh, one of you could make it in today. Yeah, otherwise you'd have to do the show all by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I'd try to make it work. Good for you. Good for you. That's that's the true woman spirit. So, <laughs> Jennifer, give us a little insight into what you're doing at uh, TMEP, and then well, we'll get into the meat of it. Sure. Um, as you know, there are 51 MEP programs around the country, so we're a national network um, connected working to connect better every day, and each one, though, is uniquely um, situated to the state. So um, I'm based within, we are based within the University of Tennessee. About, I think, 30 to 40 percent of our MEPs are based within universities, and then others are nonprofits or based in the state, so um, by the state government. So we're based within the University of Tennessee, which provides um, unique um, challenges and unique opportunities. <laughs> and um, each one of the MEPs covers the entire state. So we handle 95 counties in the grand state of Tennessee, uh, lots of counties with lots of county mayors. And um, we do everything. Uh, when my parents ask or anybody asks what I do and they actually care, I, I say uh, front door to back door, C-suite to plant floor. So our focus is really on the manufacturing industry and on the manufacturers. Um, so when we approach a workforce issue, we're really not talking about the worker themselves, but more the culture and the workplace and the manufacturing facility and the manufacturer as an employer. And the focus is really on on that side of the house. So um, in Tennessee, we're working hard every single day to serve our um, communities and our residents and our business owners and hopefully make well, we- it a better place to live. We know that uh, the MEPs really work hard, and you work hard without a lot of money, uh, (laughs) understanding that only a portion of your money comes from the federal government. A small portion of that money. Well, yeah, yeah, uh, that's true, and then you got to work for the other portion. Yes, sir. Uh, Maybe we can skim off some of that money uh, off of the presidential military parade. And uh, flip it over to the MEPs. That might help. I would not be object. I would not object to that. 
<laughs> I understand. I understand. <laughs> you know, so it, it is me, a difficult place to be right now. Um, you know, we're here for, advocating is. for manufacturers. So tell me what you uh, your what your MEP is doing, and and I gather that you're more interacting with the companies than perhaps the uh, the, the people, the workers. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Uh, we are really focused right now on getting our, well, and it's been a national problem for the MEP network um, around being the best kept secret, which we hate to hate that line, but it's true. And we're that, it's really that way here in Tennessee. I've, I've been the director for four years and I have a background that is not typical of an MEP director for Tennessee, never before. And I don't know that it's typical of the MEP directors around the country. So we have really taken a proactive approach. I've re- worked really hard with our team to go from being a reactive program to a proactive program and positioning ourselves as a as a coach, as a partner. Um, we come to the table with companies and say, look, we're a partner in your business. Your success is our success. Your challenges are our challenges, and how can we help you? Um, and we don't charge for everything we do in like a private consultant. So, you know, it's anything from cybersecurity, which we're looking into that now, and how we're going to help the small, medium-sized manufacturers and the supply chains whether it be DOD or automotive or aerospace, wherever the industry, because everyone's going to have this challenge. Um, you know, how do we help small, medium-sized manufacturers get ready for the ch- quickly coming changes in technologies and advanced materials? Um, and there's a lot going on. And in and, and, and all due respect to my folk, my peers in Michigan and Texas and the big, you know, bigger states with bigger budgets and all of the staff and, and a lot more right. manufacturers to serve, we, um, we're having to cover a lot of ground and be a lot of things. Um, to a lot of folks, but um, we're, we're doing it pretty well. For example, here in New Jersey, um, I know that there are about 11,000 manufacturing companies left. Uh, all the others have uh, flown the coop uh, due to political reasons, tax issues, and so on and so forth. So we've got about 11,000 companies here, which is quite a handful for uh, NJMEP to handle, but they've got uh, a pretty good-sized staff. Uh, in Tennessee, how many companies are fall under your umbrella? So we have approximately 6,000 um, uh-huh. manufacturers um, in the state of Tennessee. and But, you know, of those, a, a large percentage of them are uh, under 10 employees. And our sweet spot is really between, um, you know, 15 to 20 employees to 200. That's really right. where we more play. So we're not, mm-hmm. we do start, we do work with Volkswagen and we do work with GM and we do work with Nissan. Um, we're not going to tell the 500 and plus we're not going to work with them. Um, but we work more with our supply chain. So, um, we have a smaller group of companies to work with. So when you have, uh, and I presume you have road people out there combing the state, uh, looking for companies that could use your aid and direction, um, how, how do you go about getting them to understand the value and not, you know, the owner has a tendency to say, well, you know, our company is special. It's different. And uh, we, you really might not understand it, uh, uh, so we're really not interested. How do you, how do you go about uh, dealing with that kind of uh, pushback, which I would assume you do run across? We do run across um, relationships, and if we okay, maybe we don't. You're right. Your business is is different. It's run by you, and you're not you're not you're unique. 
um, your area of the state's unique. Tell me how you're – let's talk about what's going on. Let's talk about your challenges. I mean, I think it's really – for us, it's been framing as let's open up the conversation. Let's listen. Mm-hmm. And my mom mm-hmm. uh, used to say, God gave you two two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs> um, I don't know that I listen to that that often, but uh, – you know, that's our job. Our job is to listen and then bring the resources to bear. So what I've, you know, really worked hard with our team and leaders is to, we do have nine um, team members in the state. They're, they actually live and work in those regions. So we cover those 95 counties with nine people who live and go to church with those folks or oh, kids play soccer with those folks. You know, they, they see them at the Rotary Club. Um, they should anyway. <laughs> and so that relationship base is part of it. Um, the other part is, you know, Got we're it. not charging you. You know, I, I think I was in private consulting in a previous life. Um, I'm a recovering lawyer, and um, and <laughs> and I worked with accountants, so I've done it all and in that way. And you know, you walk in, and the first thing they say is, "Well, how much is this going to cost?" And right. we've worked really hard to say, "Look, let's not talk about that right now." And I don't mean that as in we're going to hit you with a number. Um, we don't. Let's talk about what what your challenges are, and then we'll work to figure out the money part. Well, let's talk about the money part, uh, being that you brought it up. Uh, it, it, it's a share of the piece of, of costs, or yes. how does it work? Well, so we operate really – so as a land-grant university and an MEP program, um, we are a nonprofit. And that does – as I have to teach – we've actually have to talk about a lot that here in a culture. We're public service, but it doesn't mean we give everything away, right? Um, our our mm-hmm. services are valuable. And nonprofit is a tax status, is not a business model. Um, so if we're going to invest in our people, we need to have a little bit of, of funding to help us, you know, make it through the lean times. Um, so we get 50%. Uh, it's a one-to-one match with the federal funding we get, and we match that with um, state appropriations and customer revenues. So that mm-hmm. allows us to provide services at a subsidized rate. So you're getting um, – mm-hmm. and we really – really part of our conversation is what is the ROI. And, and no other organization in the country that I know of does what we do as far as the MEP program can show you, look, when we started working with you, here was your baseline. Here's what we did for you over the course of, what, two weeks, three weeks, six months, whatever the project was. Right. We finish it, and we're going to come back in and talk about – what did what did we do for you? How did it, did it work? And then six months from now, we're going to ask you to tell us, did you create new jobs? Did you buy new equipment? Did you hire new people? And work with you to figure out what the ROI is. So um, we're providing services that, you know, you may pay a private consultant a lot more money for. And we've, and we've had that happen a lot. We walk in the door and they say, if we had known you did ISO 9001 certifications, we would have called you because that is, a, you know, a third of the cost we paid. Right, right. Uh, Jennifer, uh, right after our commercial break, we're going to talk about uh, how the female factor works in your uh, into your schedule of uh, training, retraining, and so on. So if you just uh, sit back for about 30 seconds, 45 seconds, we're going to hear from those who help pay the bills around here. So hold on good. one second. Yes, sir. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, 
Those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it. And it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Okay, I'm back. And as promised, we're going to talk about the female factor. Jennifer, <laughs> give us uh, some insight into that. Well, you know, uh, women in uh, the workplace has been an interesting uh, trend, uh, evolution. And um, I, I stand on the shoulders of the ladies who've come before me, uh, having been in a law firm and uh, accounting firm and private business and uh, federal government and state government. Now at the university leading a um, what is what would be typically known as a male-dominated field and engineering specifically program. So uh, most of our, you know, our staff um, is most predominantly male, and um, but we found, you know, especially. I think before there was a focus on women in, and I'm using the air quotes, women in manufacturing or women in leadership, um, we were already there making it happen. There just wasn't as much of a, a focus on it and, a, and, a, and visibility. And in Tennessee specifically, we've really – I was the assistant commissioner of economic development and revenue under Governor Bredesen, the previous governor. And um, we have um, right now um, a, a female, several women in – high positions of uh, Department of Economic Community Development, Tennessee Manufacturers Association, leading these organizations that are really working on industry. Um, I think from a, not to be gender specific, um, I just think that there are qualities that both genders inherently bring to the workforce. And one of the things that's been lacking is we've seen a cultural shift in manufacturing operations as the uh, people, the millennials we all love to talk about all the time, um, and the baby boomers. Um, I actually belong to Generation X, which is the forgotten generation. <laughs> we kind of make up the tranche between the two. We, everybody wants to talk about. Um, right. But with the millennial generation, um, you know, emotional intelligence, uh, teamwork development, those are things that um, I think female leadership. To become a female leader, you have to be. Um, be a leader and be a woman in a business sense. You have to have um, have those kinds of qualities, and those are things that manufacturers are now looking for. So uh, I think it's been good for the industry to see some diversity um, from a holistic perspective. Jennifer, I'm I'm going to uh, take a little wind out of your sails for a moment. And I'm going to blow yeah. my own horn here. Uh, <laughs> about about four months ago, as you know, we did start uh, Wham women and manufacturing. Uh, presently, it's on the Manufacturing Talk radio uh, website. Uh, within uh, a week and a half or two weeks, it's going to have its own website. Uh, and it's a podcast and it's uh, and women in the news and so on. And one of the things, we've done about 11 or 12 shows so far. And what we found is uh, what was what we always knew, but 
I, I think the gender issue just didn't want to bring it up. And that is that, you know, women are smart. Women are sensitive. They're team players. Um, they, they have so many points going for them. And I think the perfect example is during the 1940s uh, when they were the Rosie, the Riveters, who, you know, just got up and did what they had to. Four million women went to work in shipyards and air, air, uh, airplane manufacturing plants and ammunition plants and did what you had to do for several, four or five years. And uh, they never fully got their, uh, their just desserts on that. Uh, actually, our first show for Wham, we did have Anna Hess, who was a, a bit of a celeb, Rosie the Riveter. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's in our archives. We have it. It was a great show. Uh, so I, I just wanted to blow our horn that we are, we are d- directly addressing what you're talking about. And we feel as though that uh, women in the manufacturing sector is not only good for the women, but it is clearly, clearly a solution to many issues that manufacturers are having right now. So to that, I will get off my soapbox. And I totally agree with you, and I really I, I agree. Women, um, there's so many movements, and and they're all there's a place for everyone at the table to have these conversations, and we can't talk about it enough. Um, you know, a lot of it has to do with um, putting your hands, they, they, you know, getting your hands dirty, not dirty, rolling up your sleeves. It excites me. Nothing is more exciting to me than to walk on a plant floor and see stuff made. And I'm not an right. engineer, right? Um, you don't have to be an engineer. I think that's the other piece of it. Um, right. You don't. You can be a lawyer from Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, and um, and who was the first woman in your family to go to college? Lawyer. A recovering lawyer, who who you know was the first person to graduate from college uh, in your generation, and and you don't have to go to college. Um, you do have to be interested, and you do have to want to know how things work, and you do have to want to you, you know to to get fulfillment out of it. I think is out of a Johnny job is to care or feel cared about and care about what you're doing. And I think that's what we're seeing. I think uh, another important point uh, to be made to the women uh, of the country is that uh, their atti- the attitude that they have, well, gee, I, I, I can't see myself getting into that. You know, we have the glass ceiling, we have uh, unequal compensation, um, I, I I don't feel like battling, you know, the the male gender uh, in work. Uh, I, I think a lot of that is changing, and I think it's changing radically. Uh, it's not gone, but it is changing. Wouldn't, wouldn't you uh, uh, have some comments on that? I'll be careful with my comments. I, I do think it's changing. I, is it ever fast enough? No. <laughs> is it ever radical right. enough for some of us? Not necessarily. Um, you know, I think probably the different areas of the country and the different cultural, right, back to culture. Um, mm-hmm. uh, interestingly enough, in the southeast we see out of 51 MEPs, I think we have eight female MEP directors, two of which are in the southeast. Uh, Georgia right. Tech, Karen Fight is uh, – Tell Karen I want to be Karen when I grow up, jokingly. Um, yeah, you know, it, and it, we have a we have a ways to go, um, both both sure. from our own perspective, being our, getting in our own way. I think the importance of of mentoring, and it doesn't just come from other women. 
um, most of mine have been men uh, who have who have worked with me, um, and none have been assigned. They've all been folks that I've had relationships with, that I've worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have found I, I think the 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 need to bring women along, um, other women along with you, young women. Um, I've done that, and I try to do that. I make that my one of my missions. Uh, you know, have those tough conversations. And I think that's the other thing, the difficult conversations that are now having to be made in in workplaces and home life. Um, some women just aren't – it's not in an innate in their nature. Right. And so we, right. we're navigating that. How do, you, how do you ask for more? If I hear another woman, specifically at MEP, we've, we've had this conversation with several women. I've been – I was at an MEP event in Georgia – and uh, we were we were sitting before happy hour, you know, having doing some work and talking, and I overheard two of them talking about how lucky they were to be where they are, and um, you know, working for the MEP program, and how lucky they've been to be where, to get where they are. And I had to stop and say, "You're not lucky. You're you're strong, capable, intelligent women who've worked really hard to get where you are. No you one bet. handed you that. You bet. And please don't say that again." <laughs> Yeah. And they went back down I mean, to let, my work. I mean, let's talk about uh, Carol Thomas, uh, who's yes. the director of MEP in Washington, D.C. Uh, she's a fabulous woman, uh, and she does have uh, additional uh, uh, factors that uh, uh, portray that was portrayed in her climb, and that you know she's a, a woman of color, and she's risen to great heights, uh, and a super super person. Yes. And ran a, ran a, you know, had her own manufacturing facility. So, right. you know, you can't mess around with Carol. I don't mess around no, with Carol. No, She's one no, of the few that's... people that when, you know, when she tells me to do something, I'm yes, ma'am, what, what can I do for you today? <laughs> um, right. uh, she's amazing, and, and regardless of gender, an amazing person. And, and, and I'll say I wouldn't, you know, she's doing an amazing job. Um, and we've come a long way as a, as a national network from that really trying to bring us together, and she's made a focused effort in bringing the um, National Network of MEPs together, and I'm that's one of my missions as well. I don't know that that's gender-specific, but I do think I find that a lot more of the women in the MEP program say, why would you recreate the wheel? Why do we need to start all over again? Let's just – if you're doing it well, I want to borrow what you're doing. You know, the, after we did the uh, inaugural show of Wham!, we got a, uh email from uh, Carol uh, Thomas, and it simply said, fantastic. Yeah. And I, call, I called her up, and I said, I'm coming to Washington tomorrow. you got to mm-hmm. make some time for me. Mm-hmm. And she did. And I, I sat with her for about an hour. I told her what we're doing, and uh, she loved what we're doing, and she's trying to help us to help them get the message and the word out. And I think it's, uh, she's uh, been very supportive of uh, what we're doing and that is part of what we're doing is getting the word out for the MEPs for the ISMs the FMAs yes. the NAMs and so on and the so forth the acronyms of the world yeah yeah <laughs> the, the whole the whole alphabet the whole alphabet <laughs> We do that really well. We we come up with acronyms. You know, occasionally I tell people we have to really sit before we name a program. We really have to sit down and figure out what the acronym spells. <laughs> right, <laughs> Get in trouble. Right. <laughs> okay, so just we're going to take another moment and we'll be right back. Okay. Manufacturing Talk Radio. We'll be right back. 
Hey guys, are you bothered by rising transportation costs? Do you worry that your vendors and suppliers are also in the transport brokerage business? Do you sometimes wonder if you've got the right amount of product and supply available to serve your customers and get the job done? Well, if any of this is on your mind, I've got the free resource for you. It's called Inbound Logistics, and it reveals the ways companies just like yours took control of inbound product flow, rationalized transport costs, reduced inventory requirements and touches, all without dinging customer service. Go to InboundLogistics.com, look for the free subscription link, and sign up today. This message was sponsored by Manufacturing Talk Radio and All Metals and Forge Group. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Okay, we're back. Uh, Jennifer, you've got the floor. Where else well, would you like to take us in this journey that you've been on? Oh, well, you know, I think one of the things is to encourage people to really, we've talked about manufacturing and if you're listening to this, more than likely you're already you're on the wagon. You've already had the Kool Aid, and you're on yes, board. We are. But, uh, but you know, we we sit in meetings. And we talk about how we need to uh, bring people back to manufacturing and making things, and and the idea that people still think it's a dirty business and it's a host of of, of myths. And I don't know that all the time the myths are incorrect. You know, I, manufacturing is changing. The face of it's changing. I think. One realization is that it's going to happen faster and faster. And I told my team a year ago around cybersecurity specifically, we can't wait for someone to tell us we have to do it. We cannot wait for the manufacturers to realize they need it. Because if we wait for that, we're going to be behind the eight ball. And it's our duty as service to get in front of this. Um, That's the same way with robotics and advanced composites and – all of the different things that are happening, and I think back to your allusion to the politically and economically, this country's in a, in a different place. I don't know where we'll be in a year, um, but if we keep doing what we what we need to be doing, sticking to the fundamentals and working together, I think we'll be we'll be just fine. Um, the workforce gap is going to be a challenge that we're going to continue to have to face. I think that we have to. The, the thinking segment of our society has to, to a degree, put aside the politics and the gamesmanship and focus on what it is that you folks are doing and others are doing. Because for us to rely on our government may or may not necessarily be the right approach. We have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And a perfect example, and I I think this is probably a good place for us to kind of do a wrap, the the fact that yesterday Elon Musk fired off the largest rocket ship ever made in the world, blasted it off, put his own Tesla into orbit to Mars, and then landed the two side rockets on the ground, which has never been done. And that's what, uh, that's what manufacturing is about, to be able to accomplish almost the unheard of. And uh, it was a great feat that he did, and it's a tribute to those people who are in manufacturing. That's, that's totally, that's exactly right. And we can't leave, and we won't leave the small and medium-sized companies because most of our manufacturing in this country are, you know, less than 20 employees, Absolutely. and we can't leave them behind. Um, no, nope. they're running their businesses. 
Absolutely. And uh, I think the number is 70 or 80 percent of the manufacturing in this country is under 20 or 25 employees. So they really stand to uh, stand with us and uh, they won't be left behind because they can't be left behind. No, no, uh, it can't happen. Jennifer Hagen Deer uh, yes, of uh, Tennessee um, MEP, I, I thank you for being on our show. And uh, we um, hopefully we'll be talking again uh, anytime that you have any uh, topics that you wish to discuss or new programs, certainly give us a call. Uh, we have in the last 24 months, we've had over 600,000 downloads of our shows. So we are reaching a lot of people. And uh, so that's an open invitation, Jennifer. Oh, well, I appreciate that. You should know me well. You don't know me well enough to know. I'll take you up on that. I'm, I'm counting on it. I'm <laughs> counting on it. You tell John Kennedy I said hi if you see him. I will definitely do that. I'll definitely do that. So thank you much again. And, uh, folks, uh, tune in for us uh, next Tuesday at uh, 1 o'clock uh, Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. And maybe by then, Tim will be out of the sickbed, and uh, we'll have some other interesting conversations with some of the brightest people in the, in the country. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>